Welcome to Triumph. This is a show about God's love, His peace, His mercy, and certainly His forgiveness for those who have had an abortion experience in their past. We'll talk about some topics that may be uncomfortable for some. The conversation is going to be very personal and it will be very truthful. My name is Tim Welsh. I'm Executive Director of Bethesda Healing Ministry, a Catholic ministry that's been around the Columbus Diocese for nearly 30 years, dedicated to helping women and men navigate the sometimes stormy waters of healing and reconciliation after an abortion experience. And today, as usual, I'm joined with my wife of almost 42 years. My mm-hmm. gosh, time flies when you're really having a good I know, good time. and I'm only like 50. I know. So How did that, that work out? out? Um, so th- this is kind of a unique show because um, I don't know of another show. I-, I know several months ago we did a show with Peggy Hartshorn from from Heartbeat International, and mm-hmm. she was talking about how this was a unique show because it's a couple talking about it, you mm-hmm. know. And we we when we talk about God's peace and His mercy and His forgiveness, you know, it's not only that we have experienced that as individuals, but we've also experienced that as a couple. We've sure. we've We've grown much closer together as a result of the healing process after our abortion experience. And um, today, I thought that we would talk about uh, fear and anxiety after an abortion experience. And mm-hmm. I kind of break that down into into four things, not just fear and anxiety, but, um, you know, we we can worry about something. We can be fearful about something. We can be anxious about something, and then we can we can also be paranoid about something. I mean, you know, the the a uh, 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 paranoia is really just an unfounded fear. That's I guess it's an irrational fear. And I mean, you know what mine are. I mean, I'm afraid of my two my two big paranoias in life are <laughs> dropping my keys down a sewer grate. Uh-huh. I'm always afraid <laughs> I'm going to drop my keys. And that little space between the sure. elevator car and the yeah. and the and the floor you're on, uh-huh. I'm always afraid my keys are because they're going to be they're, they're gone. I mean, if you drop them down, you just you've lost your keys. Yeah, they're going to fly out of your pocket and shoot right down that. Well, I'm, a lot of times I'm carrying my keys and I always like wrap them around a finger like three times so I don't drop them. But then you know the other one is is having a bird do its business on me. Like, right, and, right. Mm-hmm. You know, I, yeah. I just I'm always afraid a bird's going to drop something on me that's mm-hmm. not good you've had that actually happen to you i have well i was sitting in a car believe it or not it flew over my window was open and it like it projectiled right onto me yeah good times yeah so very good it's happened to me so you know i survived so you don't need to you don't need to worry about it anymore it's actually never happened to me but (laughs) i'm still paranoid that it will yes and and it's not so much that i would live through it but i'd probably throw up or something i'm not quite sure this is a show about this is a show about healing and God's mercy, and we're talking about bird poop, right? Is that I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on the radio or not. Dave will probably cut that out or something. Um, anyway, so so then then you have worrying, which you know you can worry about all kinds of stuff. I mean, I worry about you know what I'm going to make for dinner tonight. I mean, you you can worry about all kinds of stuff. Sure. Um, and then we have fear. And anxiety, which are the two things we really want to talk about today. And, mm-hmm. you know, fear is really the sense of danger or fright that has a particular focus. You know, we, we, uh, anxiety, on the other hand, is a really 
is sort of the the um, golly, I, I, the extension of fear, where it, it's a stifling sense of dread, and mm-hmm. and and you really can't easily pinpoint what you're anxious about necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. And so we want to talk about about what that what that means after an abortion. You know, what does that mean for a woman or for a man? Uh, what do they experience after an abortion? You know, there's all kinds of things, and I this is where you take over and kind of say what made you fearful and what made you anxious after, uh, you know, what fears did you have after your abortion experience? I, I don't know that I've ever really heard you. Um, I probably just someone knowing, maybe those close to me knowing, my parents, uh, your parents, um, then and then later, you know, our children. So also friends. But it was just that that was my secret and my fear was someone finding out about it. So it wasn't like a daily, it wasn't, it wasn't excess. Well, I can't say it wasn't anxiety about it, but it wasn't always in the front of my mind. But it was always there. You know, I didn't. Um, it. I was. I was just very careful. Um, whether it was you know the friends that I did or didn't have, um, mostly. Just just protecting myself i i just didn't want anyone to know so that would probably be my fear that was my fear talking about talking about fear and anxiety was fearful for me to come here today because you know we're talking about personal stuff so that's kind of fearful yeah yeah but you you've gotten over that to an extent you you could not have done that 15 years ago. No, no. You wouldn't be sitting not. in this seat 15 no, years ago. No, no, no. Um, and, and really it's just, you know, once you, once you tell one person, once you say the word abortion, you know, there were, I, I couldn't really say that word before I started through my healing process. I mean, I didn't even want to utter that word. So um, now I say it, and I don't really care who I tell that I do healing ministry for post-abortive women, because I I think it it makes you um, it makes you kind of normal, makes you kind of I don't want to say one of the gals, but you know it, people just. That then makes you relatable. Like, oh, she's she's made a mistake, and um, you know, my fear was always, I don't want to make mistakes because that will, um, oh, what do you call it? Um, it will, it will just validate maybe what I think others thought of me. So um, it was just. Um, it was just a real fear, um, just not never getting close to anyone because I didn't want them to know me well enough that they might not like me just for just not liking me. And then if they found out I'd had an abortion, then, you know, 
that would be over. So it's it's a recognition of your own imperfections, right? I mean, it's kind oh, of a, it's kind of a a uh, and and that's a very fearful thing. I mean, I understand that even you know with with your children, you you want them to think you're. You know everything, right? I mean, right. and that you haven't ever made any mistakes at True. all. True. <laughs> and and I think once they find that you have made mistakes and that you don't know everything, I think that makes that relationship grow in some way. Can you speak oh, to that? Absolutely. I I was fearful of telling our kids, and you know, just waiting. When's the right time? Oh, they're this age or that age or this is happening. I mean, it's not something you want to bring up at Christmas or Thanksgiving when everybody's there, but it certainly is a good time to um, talk to everybody. Uh, but once I told them, I cannot express how much grace I felt from them, and I may cry here. But just their love for me, that they, it was just, it was like nothing. Like I had, you know, scratched the car. I mean, they were so wonderful to me and just told me, I love you more today than I did yesterday because, probably because they realized (laughs) that I had a few flaws. Yeah. That I worked so hard to keep under wraps for so long. So do you ever have any kind of fears of of uh, doctors or nurses or medical clinics or any of that kind of thing? Um, I only mostly, you know, gynecological kind of things. But um, I mean, you, you, when you have five children, it's kind of hard to say that you're fearful of those folks. Um, but it was it was probably just the one time that I had that procedure that just just took me back we've talked about this as a trigger um it it was just the feeling of this procedure just took me right back to that day and it was scary and it really rocked me because i never really thought i had triggers or Mm -hmm. fears or you know you you talk yourself into a lot and out of a lot when you're trying to hide stuff. I mean, you just have to keep a tight grip on everything. And we've talked about it before about, you know, holding the beach ball underwater. You've got to do it with both hands because if you let go, it's going to fly up. And And that's kind of the feeling that I always had that I am watching, I am watching I'm watching life. I'm not in it. I am, I'm just watching it. I'm watching it happen. So I always felt, um, you know, now that I look back, I don't, I don't think I thought that at the time, but as I look back, I think I was always just watching my life go by and not really being in it because I was afraid to be in it because that would make me vulnerable or, um, people would see maybe some flaw or something like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're listening to Triumph. It's a show about God's love, his peace, his mercy, and his forgiveness for those who have uh, had an abortion experience in their past, airing on AM820, St. Gabriel Radio. We're really glad to be here today. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and it's 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 fascinating to me i know the people that took you to the abortion facility mm-hmm. and and there was a fear that they would tell somebody right isn't that kind of oh yeah uh, certainly um and you know I, I i think i've said this before but there was a, a gal there in the uh, recovery room that i knew from high school and she wasn't one of the gals that took me but she was there and it's so I don't know if it's ironic or whatever, but she, her, her mom and my mom were friends since high school and knew each other very well. And she rushed over to me and because I'm throwing up right in recovery, this is just like the worst thing. And she rushes over to me to tell me that she was not there for an abortion. She was Mm. there for some other thing, which she didn't tell me what the other thing was, but just wanted me to know And that, you know, implying you can't tell anyone. So right there started the whole secrecy thing. I mean, don't tell anyone, implying, I guess, that she wasn't going to tell anybody. I don't know. I didn't tell her. (laughs) I didn't tell her anything. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm in an abortion facility, but I'm not here for an abortion, right? Right. And that's the dirty little secret that abortion has become in our culture. I mean, that's been... It's been touted as the greatest thing since Jello pudding for women, you know, right? And, right. and it will empower them and uh, make them more whole and all that. But right. it's actually enslaved them. Yeah. And uh, and and you know, I I should I should always say that not all women face post-abortion uh, syndrome or stress or whatever. Not, mm-hmm. a, not every woman, it doesn't happen that way with every woman. Some women walk away from that experience and, and lead a relatively normal life, I guess. I, don't know. That's I, not I think the right my word. life was pretty normal, wasn't it? Yeah, it was pretty normal. Yeah. But, but I mean, I don't know what the right word is, but they yeah. don't, they don't have the anxieties or the fears sure. that some, yeah. but when, when it does hit, it's a pretty dramatic thing. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. And I, and just from, we were just talking about this last night on our online meeting. It's it's funny, the, the couple of gals that were online with me were about my age and have waited. You know, they have families and, you know, life has changed. But now they're at the point where they're like, okay, I got to do something. I got to do something about this. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it always takes 34 years because that's kind of, was my experience i waited till you know i had other stuff done okay kids are pretty much raised um and and i find that women um tend to kind of wait um maybe maybe it's just a generational thing because i think younger women recognize it and get help i think there's there's that I'm not saying that every woman waits 30-some years, but it was just interesting how um, at the time, since we're both about the same age, how we, how this was sold to us as a great option, and we weren't supposed to feel that it was painful or hurtful or was going to stick with us, but it did, and how how we've all waited you know, maybe just kind of put ourselves on hold while we did other stuff. 
the best we could. But it was just interesting to hear other women about my age um, talk about it and how, you know, you can look back and go, golly, if only, if only yeah, <laughs> somebody yeah. would have told me. There's a lot of if onlys in our lives, I know. Right. And, and you know, they're, they're um, just to fill in the listening audience a little bit, uh, to fill in some blanks there. Um, Joe actually holds uh, in conjunction with, um, as an as an add-on to the Bethesda healing sessions, uh, she does an online thing uh, every couple of weeks, and mm-hmm. it's a you know we're all with the whole coronavirus and everything, we're all kind of zoomed out. But but it's a Zoom type meeting, it's a go to meeting mm-hmm. type thing, and and um, it's been rather successful. And I think people have actually uh, latched onto it, and and um, I do think that there is. Statistically, women do wait. Statistically, they don't. They don't talk about this for a decade or more after it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would be it. It's interesting to me what what you're seeing with those women. I mean, let, let's sort of transition into anxiety, where where it's a little bit deeper. It's a little bit more of a sense of tension and dread, and um, you know what. What kind of anxieties do you see in the women? What what kind of anxieties did you experience, and what kind of anxieties um, have yeah. you heard those other women talk about? Well, it's uh, it's funny. It's kind of it's kind of a universal thing. Both of these gals um, are Catholic, and um, and and somebody mentioned this last night, and and I could say, yeah, me too, because they were talking about how they feel hypocritical and how they have felt hypocritical um, supporting pro-life activity or anything pro-life when they've had an abortion. How can I, how can I say no to someone when I, when I had an abortion? And, and I, I certainly felt that way. And both of them both expressed, yeah, you know, I just, I have that sense that I've just been a hypocrite, you know, and I didn't want anyone to um, know because then they would know really that I am a hypocrite or that I'm not authentic. So that I think is a real um, anxiety. I think it, I think it, it holds women back from really just exploring um, how abortion hurt them, and and how they can move forward uh, with healing, and um, and it really is. Um, it was it was just kind of interesting to talk about that last night. I don't know if that answers the question. It does, and I mean full disclosure. Um, you know, I'm a child of the '70s and yes. '60s and '70s, and um, I'm also an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And I did plenty of drugs in my time right. when I was, you know, in college and uh, a little bit later than that. And I've dr- I've driven drunk hundreds of times in my life. Right. I mean, I haven't had a drink in 13 and a half years or something now. But but even though I did those things in the past, that's not that I don't want other people to do, to do them today. I mean, right. so that's kind of the answer for me in terms of. 
when we make mistakes, it's 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 proper and appropriate for us to warn people not to make those mistakes too, right? I yeah, mean, but when you're of, when you're holding on to a secret like that, yeah, you don't yeah. you're not telling anyone, no, so you can't really warn them. But no. you don't feel right. You don't feel like you have the right to warn them either. Yeah. So that's the difference. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think I think that's a good analogy, but it's still with abortion. It is such a deep, dark secret uh, that I, I don't think. I don't think you can really make the comparison. Does that change once the secret is out? Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so uh, this is there's kind of a sure. pre pre secret and <laughs> right, post secret, right? right? I mean, so right. it, you know, okay, you're right. P.S. <laughs> P.S. P.S. I don't like it, but it would you know. So once it's out there, that that anxiety of of being viewed as a hypocrite is kind of gone. We actually had a one of our kids actually question your, um, uh, you know, being oh. sort of hypocritical about. Oh yeah, about yeah, yeah. When you told him. Yeah, yeah. He he didn't know, understand why, you know, you were so involved with Ohio Right to Life, and he he went on a walk for life in D.C. with you, and you know, you guys have always been, were his words, you've always been pro life, and and you know how I he couldn't reconcile it, and you know I I just had to tell him i'm sorry i yeah. <laughs> there was never a time where i felt whatever you were he was going through whether it was his young age or other issues that i felt it was appropriate i mean yeah. i had to get myself right before i could just like start talking about it well and there's there are plenty of people and and by the way there are an awful lot of people who would say i've heard an awful lot of folks say that those women who are most vociferous and most vocal about the abortion right in favor of the abortion right, those folks you see screaming in front of the Supreme Court every January 22nd and all that stuff, mm-hmm. that they are actually um, going through post-abortion stress uh, yeah. themselves, and that's, what, and that's the basis for their anger. Yeah. You know, and so it makes perfectly good sense if that is true, and I'm not advocating that it is, but if it yeah. is true, then I don't think it's provable. No. But if it's true, then it makes perfectly good sense. The opposite will be true, too, that those people who regret that decision will be advocates against that decision in others, right? Yeah. I mean, so, yeah. so yeah. I don't find Eventually, once you kind of weed through it and kind of, you know, admit to the guilt and and shame and all that that you've been carrying around. Uh, once you kind of dig into that and um, and and kind of deal with it, I don't think it's it's difficult. And in, in my that's that's my experience. So so we, we've dealt a little bit with uh, fear, and we've talked about anxiety a little bit. And sometimes those those um, uh, anxiety turns into anguish. You know, sometimes that's that's sort of the that's sort of anxiety on crack, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it turns you into into some some very uh, it, into intense anxiety, and mm-hmm. some of those things uh, result in a. It sometimes will result in obsessive behaviors, like you know, becoming inflexible or perfectionism or obsessing about. 
people or things or money or or behaviors about you know excessive hand washing or mm-hmm. you know making sure sure that um, you're just setting impossible standards for yourself. Right. So talk about that a little. Sure. Bit. Um, ta- impossible standards for myself and for my children, mm-hmm. our children, right? Or for you, what I wanted, you know, I wanted everybody to to. Um, but I've lived up to those standards, I think, mostly. Yes. I? <laughs> Seriously. This is a serious conversation. Oh, sorry. Um, I digress. But I, you know, I, no matter what I did, I always felt like there was room for improvement. Mm-hmm. There was always that need to do better. And, and even in our children, oh, you got a B plus. Well, you know, you could have probably gotten an A. You know, it was always that um, striving to be the best and um, wanting everyone to think. Uh, wanted others to think, you know, that we were all shiny and perfect. So there are those, um, I mean, that was my experience. I, you know, kind of that perfectionism in, is that the right word? Yeah. Perfectionist kind of um, mentality. Um, Just always, um, just always wanting everything from the outside to look perfect. And that's, that's really hard to do for a long time. Well, and and adding to that difficulty was the notion that I was running the state's largest pro-life organization, and right. you know one of the one of the largest pro-life organizations in the country, actually in Ohio, right to life at the time, and uh, then went on to work for PDHC, which was a, a pregnancy care center, and and so you know we both sort of had to hide the past because we neither one of us wanted people to find out that we had actually had an abortion in right. the past and, right. and 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 it's and i mean you can put on those tiny feet you know and kind of you know walk the walk sort of but you know it, it yeah it's hard so. yeah yeah it was uh well once again i i just am in um have great respect for you because of your candor here and in your you. your uh, sort of facing your fears and anxieties about sitting here and talking about some things that are really very personal and and um I fall in love with you every day as usual and have done so again today in the last half an hour so thanks and god bless you and this is uh you've been listening to Triumph which is aired on Catholic Radio uh St Gabriel Radio AM 820. It's a show about God's love, His peace, His mercy, and His forgiveness for those who have an abortion in their past. Um, been joined my wife, by my wife, Joe. Thanks for joining us. We'll, we'll see you next time. Then he